0: Jeremy
1: are are we leading off with a question of the week or are we uh, I, guess, I guess I guess we're though? just gonna do
0: a cold start we're just gonna we're just gonna keep it rolling oh, oh. um because I apparently told everyone to mute their microphones that I was gonna start it and then people started talking so I don't know what to do anymore but I guess we'll say welcome to another episode of cartel aristocrats um Jeremy's not here so I'm starting this off and I told everyone to shut up while I do the introduction, but then people started talking. So this is what you get because we don't edit anything.
1: It's also episode
0: Uh, 92. You left that part out critically. You're very correct. You, you flustered me, man. I was like, I was ready to go. And then Travis started talking. It might not even make it in there. And then you said something and then we were just, you were done. Well, I'm pretty sure
2: I got my question in before you went live. So it wouldn't even been on there. Jim said he was going to do his best. Uh, Jeremy or his worst Jeremy impression to start the cast, and I said, "Well, does that mean you're going to do your worst impression of Jeremy or your impression of the worst Jeremy?" And I have a feeling they're not too far apart.
0: Uh, they are not too far apart. However, um, that ship has sailed. So we're just going to move on to what we usually do, which is first start out start out by uh, thanking our sponsors, Gathering Magic and CoolStuffInc.com, who have graciously provided us with gift tickets to give away with free shipping on orders of 100 dollars and more and a $25 buy list bonus there and their ever popular customer rewards program, Cool Stuff Inc. is the store for all your magic, the gathering, and board game needs. So this week we are not joined by Jeremy because an hour before the cast decided to dish us to go watch a blues game. So uh we don't really have anything prepared without him. So we'll have to we'll have to win a little bit. But I'm joined by my best co-hosts. Would you like to introduce yourselves today?
2: No. Okay. Well, then we won't do that. <laughs> I'm Travis Allen. Uh, you'll find me here, MTG Fest Finance, and I write for mtgprice.com. Ed,
0: um, how are you doing this week?
1: Good. Edward Glenn, Kerns Game Store, uh, at edwin 13 on Twitter.
0: Fantastic. Uh, so... Not a lot happened this week uh, and this weekend, I should say. Uh, we didn't get any new like product releases. Most of the Dominaria spoilers have been cards that we've already seen. Um, there's not a lot of new stuff happening. But there have been some cards that have changed prices. Uh, Ed, do you have any, any insight into what's going on?
1: I think most closely related to Dominaria... Uh, like, obviously... Most of them have kind of happened already. We're kind of towards the tail end of that. Most of the things that people reacted to regarding legendary creatures, um, we've already seen... Uh, like Captain Sissé was kind of like the prime example of legendary, legendaries Matters type cards. We've also seen some odd things like Hex Parasite with the way they work with sagas. Um, beyond that, I think the fact that a lot of the... Wins was kind of taken out of the sale for spoiler season for Dominaria. I think it's kind of hurting uh, a lot of the dynamics of card price fluctuations. Um, We're also kind of at that weird time where this is kind of the tail end of Standard. So people aren't, like, as excited to try new things as it were, mainly because this set, because Standard is so big right now relative to you know, kind of towards the earlier in the season when there's less sets. Um, it just... It, it There's just less impact that these cards can possibly have. We're unlikely to see a completely new deck uh, evolve in Standard. It's more like, oh, like, what little upgrades do we have? Like, you know, this card might be strictly better than this card. We It's just a simple matter of swapping out the new card for the old one type thing. Um, so it seems like it's been... Kind of quietish again, like most of Spice already happened. I think uh there's a little bit more that we can kind, of, excuse me, that we can kind of expect. But until we have it was like some new, more interesting things, I don't see a ton happening until then. Or if it if it is, it'll probably be more gradual rather than something
2: drastic. We've gotten most of Dominaria spoiled by now, right? Or at least a, a large chunk of the rares and mythics are visible. Yeah, we're at one fifty six of two sixty nine, and like a, a lot of those are rares and mythics. I don't remember what the breakdown is. I know it seems to be weighted in that direction. So,
0: so it's hard to tell because some of the cards that got spoiled initially don't have a rarity on them. People have just guessed, right? So, like for example, um, all of the all of the crew of the Weatherlight got spoiled today, and most of them are actually uncommons and not rares, which is surprising to me. I thought a lot of them would have been rares or mythics. So it really it's just kind of uh, a crapshoot whether or not you, you guess whether or not something is a rare a mythic or an uncommon at this point. Like uh, Karn's, sun, Karn's Temporal Sundering, I was almost guaranteed I thought was going to be a mythic and it's a rare for some reason. Like I didn't know that they printed rare time walks anymore. Was it? I thought that was mythic. Are you sure? It is, it is not a mythic. It's a rare Urza's Rune is Blast is also a rare, so I'm, I'm guessing that the other legendary sorceries are also gonna be rares, but they're de- they're definitely not mythics.
2: Really? That seems so odd. Um in any case I think we'll see a couple more uh, spikes possibly in regards to Dominaria as the last handful of, like, rares and Mythics trick- trickle in. Or I should say we might. I don't even know for sure, right? Like, it kind of depends. But um, overall, yeah, you saw a lot of the movements been... Some of the movement on that stuff has been from the Dominaria leaks. Uh, Jim and I were talking about before the cast, you're getting residual Masters 25 leaks. Or I shouldn't say leaks, uh, price spikes, because people... We're looking for stuff in Masters twenty five and didn't show up, and now they're probably cleaning up some of those. So I think doubling season is a really good example of that. Um, that card was very pop. Uh, people were kind of wondering if that was going to show up. It didn't, and now they're like, okay, well, now I have to uh, to buy those because they weren't available or they didn't show up in Masters twenty five.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of casual cards that I think like, especially older ones from like. I guess like pre Alara like those style cards there's just not very many of them so a lot of them are based on their their prices based on their rarity and not necessarily their their play so uh, things like Greater Oromancy you know just cards weird niche like commander cards from pre Alara are very hard to come by which makes them expensive. They're not necessarily very expensive because they're very good. Like Miku Koro is an example of like a car that was like pretty expensive before it got reprinted and now it's like worth basically nothing because people didn't actually want that many copies of it. It was just really hard to find. So let's, uh, let's segue into our credit winner of the week since it lines up kind of like where we are on our topic right now. Uh, So our winner this week is Luke McCain. Uh, Luke, send me a message on Facebook or Twitter, and I will get you your $25 gift certificate for CoolStuffInc.com. And uh, Luke asks, what are the criminally undervalued EDH staples that should have been picked up now in order to save money later? Um, I almost exclusively at this point play Commander. So... I have a lot of different cards. We could have an entire cast about that, but I'll try to pick a couple to make it easy. Um, If you have not purchased anything from Masters 25, uh, the first thing I would say is to go buy Cultivates and to go buy Myriad Landscape. Those cards are sub-50 cents right now, I believe, on TCG Player. Just buy a whole crap ton of them, and you'll eventually use them. They're cards that you're just going to put in every deck, and... At some point in time, they're going to be another a uh, dollar or two, and you're going to be upset that you didn't have them. Like those are some cheap ones that you could definitely get into right now, and I would not hesitate to do that. I actually bought some myself.
1: Um, I think I think to kind of be a little bit more specific on that. Generally, the cards that uh, feel very successful in EDH to me are the big splashy effects are very narrow, but. Are much more unique in terms of what they do. Uh, There's a reason why Cyclonic Rift, despite you know having multiple printings, just refuses to go below I think basically like eight nine bucks at this point. It goes in every blue deck. It has a very very big splashy effect. It's very very powerful. Um, It doesn't matter if you're playing like single player, multiplayer, whatever. Uh, Like if you're playing blue, Cyclonic Rift will probably end up in your deck in some capacity um like it just because it sees so much play it's the type of card that even if they print it again which i'm sure they will print it in one of the commander sets you'll see a dip but like if you haven't bought it i would just say buy it mainly because it's getting very very hard to find the card because people buy it and it just kind of disappears in their neck um demonic tutor also kind of falls in that same boat and i like i understand neither of these cards are particularly cheap which I think is more in the spirit of the question. I think that was more or less what Jim was hinting at. You know, like Cultivate. Like Those are staples that, hey, you do need them for every deck. But if you're trying to focus on building fewer decks, but you want to put a lot more effort into them, like putting money down for a demonic tutor is not the worst idea. It's unlikely to get a reprint anytime soon. Who knows what it'll go in. It might go in the next commander set, uh, which seems unlikely because it's so expensive. But again like most black decks will play demonic tutor it's a very very powerful effect it's not so unique you can replace it with things like you know there's diabolic intent there's a bit of a drawback to that um there's like diabolic tutor if you're looking for a more budget alternative but like demonic tutor is kind of just the level zero tutor effect as it were um and that's kind of why it's uh it's Just so popular, and um, if you're if you don't want the original printings, you're basically left to pick the divine versus demonic. I think that's the only other uh printing for that outside of
0: uh, there's the judge the foil too,
1: there's the judge foil, but that that one is also monstrously expensive. Um, which I imagine is kind of in the same vein just because it's uh, the only way to get foil and the art is pretty sweet uh so like those would be my two those are pretty obvious mainly because of how much play they do see but there's like if you if you kind of look on edh rec you can definitely see that there's a trend of cards that are very popular in commander they go in a lot of decks which means they're generally monocolored or artifacts and they have relatively limited print runs which means that the price on them just slowly creeps up over time and, like, those are kind of the ones that you want to target.
2: Um, yeah, I'm not going to give you any specific cards, really, because, I mean, that's that's like all the picks of the week and the articles I write every week and that type of thing. And there's a lot of that content out there that are essentially that that same concept as what cards are undervalued that are going to rise in price. Um, I will say, in general, your, a good strategy is to look at cards that were just reprinted. You know, within the last couple of months, you get a nice low price. Uh, you can snag those up because those will go up in price, especially if they've already been up there. You know that they're kind of undervalued if there was just a large supply of them dumped into the market. Alternatively, I have found that I kind of rely on my spider senses for this. So sometimes I will look up a card uh, and find that it's cheaper than I would have thought it was. And I look at them like, when I play with this card, I win when I cast it and I lose when somebody else does. Why is it only a dollar? If there's 30, if there, you know, 30 printings of it, I know why it's only a dollar. But if there's like only one printing and it still seems cheaper than it should be, it's like, this might just be an undervalued card. Um, you know, I've had that sensation about a lot of cards. Some of them have moved, some of them haven't. I try to let you guys know when I find them. One that I kept coming back to for a while was Perforos, who's just starting to move and get up. Yeah, he's like $18 now. And he was down to like seven or eight, I think at one point, right? So he's finally about as expensive as he should be. Anyone who's ever played against this card in EDH knows what I'm talking about. When I say you win when you cast him and you lose when you don't, um, so look for stuff that's been reprinted, but also rely on your sense as a Magic player. Like this card's really good. I'm looking at it. I can't figure out why it shouldn't be more money. Maybe this is undervalued.
0: Yeah, I just want to kind of build on Travis's point. You know, stuff that has gotten reprinted recently is definitely a good thing to target. And Things that are in the most recent standard set that are soon not going to be the most recent standard set Um, so cards that are in Rivals of Ixalan are cards that I've been looking at pretty heavily right now because People are not drafting that set anymore. It's not going to be open anymore And unless you want to wait for it to rotate which is you know another year and a half from now um, if you want to own the cards, this is probably the cheapest time that you can buy to buy in so Recently, I bought um, the Immortal Sun and a or Azor's something Gateway. Azor's Gateway, I think, is the name of the card. The flip, the one that flips into the land that makes mana equal to your life. Uh, those two artifacts are cards that, like, I'm really excited to own, and I was waiting for them to go down a little bit before I bought them. But I didn't want to wait too long because I actually want to play with them. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a it depends on how long you want to wait. If you're just buying the cards to play with there are certain times that are better than others to buy in, but if you're waiting for just the absolute cheapest, you know, after right after reprinting is probably the best thing that you can wait for, or right after a rotation. Um, but thanks for the question, Luke. Uh, remember to send me a message on Facebook or Twitter and I will get you your $25 uh, gift certificate. If any of you want to win next week, you can submit your question on the Gathering Magic uh, page for our podcast, which should go up uh, the day after it is live so ed i saw that you picked out some other questions that you wanted to answer uh did you want to read them out and let us know what you think about them
1: yeah i, I there are definitely like quite a few good questions this week um unfortunately we can't get to all of them i'll probably try and answer the ones that uh, we don't answer here um on the post directly so i'm not ignoring you all it's just there's a um, limit to how much we can answer and he, is, in- he, said it. he said it he said he's ignoring all these
2: idiot questions He said it before the cast
1: no i'm choosing the ones that require more discussion so i have to type out less when i answer questions it's strategic anyways um hey cartel crew i have a bunch of old sealed magic boxes and was considering selling slash buy listing them towards one uh big ticket reserve list card, such as a beta dual land i heard someone on the cast at some at one point that recommended this because it's easier to sell one single card rather than multiple boxes from a magic investment standpoint do you think this is a good idea um so without having details i'm wondering what uh how old these uh magic sealed boxes are uh with magic sealed product the dividing line is roughly around the original return to Ravnica block uh the print runs went up massively afterwards uh and most of the boxes since then have not really gone up drastically in value. Whereas the ones before that are all reasonably expensive at this point. Um, so it, it depends on how how the, how the many of these magic boxes you have and which ones they are. Like if you have a bunch of RTR boxes, selling them is going to be a little bit rough. Uh, most vendors are probably not keen on giving you like a large amount especially if you're trying to sell some to at buy lists um and i think if i go on ebay right now i can still find just original return ravica block boxes probably in like the 90 to 100 range um if you're talking about boxes that are older than that then you actually do have considerable value boxes of innistrad of the original innistrad are about 270 to 280 ish um if you go older than that then you have uh once even before that? Like boxes of new Phyrexia are probably close to 350. Even Scars of Meriden, Meriden Besiege are in the 180 to two hundred range. Um so I, I'm not quite sure like exactly what your situation is, but I would just kind of use that as uh just kind of a gauge. If you do have one of the older boxes, there's plenty of demand. I've had no problem selling uh older boxes because a lot of people like to do things like um like do chaos drafts or people like to save uh and do kind of like these older format drafts that people have m- may missed out on I know there's a few stores that have asked me if I do have some of these older seal uh sealed boxes because they want to do throwback drafts in store um so there's definitely demand out there for them uh it's just kind of what your situation is then you know specifically like if your goal is just to make money then you know turning these in a beta duel and that's probably the a relatively painless way but if you do have some of these like rare boxes you should have no problem selling them for roughly full value
2: i don't have a lot to add other than that i agree with ed you know if it's return to ravnica or newer um especially like khanza Kira newer it's not that really exciting just get rid of it. It takes up space in your house. Might as well convert it into something cool. Uh, If it's like future site or some of the older stuff that gets a lot more appealing, I would say conceptually look at the box and think, does this box have value because of the cards contained within it or because it's really old and you can't get more sealed boxes. It doesn't matter they could keep reprinting cards from future Sight, and the set value will go down, but having sealed future site boxes is still pretty cool because they're so old, and there's so few of them around anymore. That is not gonna be the true of cons of Trek here for a very, very long time, if ever. So the, essentially the value of a sealed box has to, the, the value of existing as a sealed box has to exceed the value of the cards inside before it becomes worth holding on to. And most stuff is, you know, what was return the rabbit was that 2011 or something like that. So like basically if it was printed in the last 13, so it's printed in the last five years, don't bother. Get rid of it, I mean.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat as Travis. I think if it's just taking up too much, like it depends on how much you have, but if you have like a whole closet of sealed product, like. Do you, do you need that space? Would you rather have that space? Because, like, obviously, at one duel is way, 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 way smaller. So if you need help, some help cleaning up and you just want to get rid of these boxes, I don't think that turning into a duel is a terrible thing. Um, obviously, like I said, the older boxes will go up over time, but that's just because of their rarity.
1: And uh the value of the draft format. Like or like original triple Innistrad was, you know, like a lot of people kinda hail that as like the best draft format of all time. Um, you know, and realistically, if you've ever opened up a draft a draft a pack of Innistrad, it sucks pretty bad. Like yes, you can hit Liliana Veil and Snapcaster, but like for paying like ten plus dollars for a booster pack, your your rate of missing is like pretty high. Um like obviously, those are the two chase mythics uh, from the original Innistrad. But I think if I pull up uh, the set here, uh, I mean, if
0: you're gonna if you want to spend ten dollars to get a tree of redemption, why don't you just buy a Master's twenty five pack?
1: There you go. Uh, you can do that as well. Um, pulling up the original set list, like in things that actually cover the cost of a pack, you're basically on Baleful Dragon, which is a mythic um beyond that like you have like things like parallel lives you have the um coming to play check lands but none of those will basically make your money back on the pack like the, a lot of the value of rich of uh the ritual in is it's just such a fun draft format um no one no one's buying original in to try and open up Liliana on the veil so um there's a few others that kind of fall in that category rise little um Rise of Eldrazi is also kind of the same. It was a standalone big set. Uh, that one was also ridiculously fun to draft. Those boxes are, I want to say, like in the five fifty range. Even though, like most, like all the Eldrazi's have been reprinted, a lot of the casual cards are still in the set. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Rise. These are
2: five fifty of Rise. What's up? Did you say boxes of Rise are five fifty. Yeah. Oh, That's I mean bad. that
1: one, I, that one is quite old in terms of, um, but the EV on the box is pretty high. You have
0: like the three old Jawsies. You have so many cards at common and uncommon. Like you have Inquisition at uncommon and Ancient Stirrings yeah. at common. Like those cards are like four to five dollars each, yeah, at least.
2: Yeah. No, it makes sense. I just remember opening two of them. <laughs> yeah, eighty dollars a piece. Bummer.
1: Yep. So, like again, like I think that kind of sums up your question. You just
2: have to kind of look at the EV. Uh, did Ed cut out for you yep. guys? Uh, sorry, I think, he, I
0: think he muted himself.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I actually hit the mute button while trying to help over tab. Uh, EV of the set, how fun it is to draft. Those are kind of factors on how easy it is to move, and then you just have to kind of take into account like how recent
0: it is and how rare it is. So, okay. So you have another question for us, Ed?
1: Uh, yep. Uh, you guys often pick inventions and often talk down the invocations, but how do you feel about the expeditions? I had recently been thinking about dumping a fetchland, a bunch of fetchland expeditions, but dis- but instead decided to hang on to them. What do you feel about their long term prospects? Uh, someone at GP Madrid about a month ago actually asked me the exact same thing, and this was kind of before. Uh, all the masterpieces started to disappear from the internet. It's a trend that has kind of been the norm for the past like week and a half or so at this point. Um, I, I think we've we've more or less touched on this before. Um, uh, people uh, people kind of fall into like two different schools of thought in terms of Fetchlands. lands. Like uh, there's a lot of people who stick to original print runs. So at this point, that means Zenikar and Onslaught um whereas the fetch lands are kind of like the more recent thing i would imagine that supply is pretty comparable onslaught ones are probably the most rare i imagine uh zendikar foil fetches are probably at the same rarity level as um expeditions at this point um what you like most is up to you i think the fetch lands are not done going up i actually just noticed that scowling tarns had disappeared. Um, Earlier today, I think the cheapest one you can buy is like close to three fifty now, and then for quite a while you could buy these at uh, I want to say they were like two twenty to two forty for uh, a decent
2: amount of time. Skull turns got even lower than that, didn't mm-hmm. they? Weren't they like one seventy five or something?
1: I, I think that I think there was kind of a period where they were down like below two hundred, yeah, um, and it. I, I think that just goes to show like people like how people really like shiny foily things even if it's purely for aesthetics. Um if people are wondering if people are actually buying these things at the inflated prices post buyout, um I think people still have. I've had no problems moving uh them at higher price points. If anything it's actually caused the rate at which people buy them to accelerate mainly because People seem to be on the bandwagon um that they don't want they don't want to get punished again. So it's actually encouraging more people to buy and like finish the sets they need, or I only need one fetch land left for my deck, I might as well buy it now. Um I definitely have had no problems moving them uh post spike. Uh mainly because people like shiny things, even if it's functionally identical to a reprint that you can buy in, you know, Modern Masters
2: 2017 or a console here.
0: Do you have any opinions, Travis?
2: I had talked for so long, I forgot what the original question was. Uh, long what do we Expeditions, about long-term predictions. Explanations. Long-term prospects. Right. Uh better than indications, worse than inventions. <laughs> I know that's not terribly helpful. I mean, I just gave you so much; it's hard to think of anything better than that. They're good. It's going to take a while. Take a little while longer for them to really start to move. Uh, But I mean, if Scalding Tarn is moving like that, I mean, we can use that as probably the Canary in the Coal Mine. I would expect Scalding Tarn to move before any of the other ones do because that's typically the most appealing of all of those types of lands. The Shock lands might get a bump. Uh, We are expecting to go back to Ravnica again coming up, right? That's pretty soon. If that happens uh, and Shocks do return the standard, the Shock Expeditions may go up in value. So keep an eye out for that, same thing with the Fetches. If the Fetches come back, the Expeditions... I'll come back to standard the expeditions might gain in value um, essentially they're pretty decent i would expect there to be gains over the long term i don't think you're going to lose money at this point but they're probably i don't know if the rate of return is going to be there um especially you know the opportunity cost compared to some of the other stuff because that buy-in is pretty steep on these guys but you know owning them owning them isn't gonna hurt i guess uh i don't think you're gonna lose any money so there you go that's my thought on it
0: yeah, I'm kind of in agreement to Travis here. I wouldn't buy them if I, unless if I if I only if unless I was going to play with them or if I wanted them for some reason, if I was collecting them. Um I bought mine a lot of mine a long time ago. I've thought about selling them, but it never really seemed worth it because they just keep going up slowly. They're kinda like a modern day reserve list card where like even if these get reprinted as another like in a masterpiece at some point in time, which we don't even know if they're ever going to do them again They said that they could but there's no indication to say that they're going too soon uh, I feel like if they were going to Dominaria would have been set that they did it But there's no indication that they're even going to reprint those cards and they're probably not going to be with the same art so like Chances are if anyone really really likes any of these cards. There's not going to be a better version of it You're not going to lose money on it. If you want to hold on to it. You can hold on to it forever. That being said, I don't recommend buying into them with that intention of holding onto to them forever because you could just make more money by buying something else that moves faster.
2: Yeah, they're probably fine as a, I wish I own these and I wonder if I should feel bad about having them, like then you're okay, but not as a, I want something to invest in. That's that's a much worse choice.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I don't actually like the phrasing of this question where like we necessarily talk down to invocations. I don't think that all of them are particularly bad. I just think that the... The good ones are much thinner. Like, there's a lot less of them that are good than there are of uh, artifacts and lands, as it turns out. Uh, it,
1: it, right. It's not hard to identify that all the fetch lands are good, right? Like, there's never going to be a better land that's printed than a fetch land. Um, you know, shocks are, you know, they probably, they obviously can't do masterpiece dual lands um so basically masterpiece shock lands are kind of like the next best thing but invocations they're like they're actually just so hair miss
0: yeah i don't know how like they decided to divert and also forcible needed to be an invocation like there was just there's just so drastic like drastic playability differences in the two of them
2: well at least the nice thing about the uh expeditions is that you know they're essentially always going to be useful, right? Like those lands are, are good cards that people will want to play with. The same is not
0: true for the invocations.
2: That's very true. It's
0: very true. All right, uh, Ed, did you have any other questions that you thought were good and you want to answer on the cast? Uh,
1: I think those were like the two big ones uh, <laughs> that require that weren't the most discussion. Uh, the rest of them I can, you know, answer reasonably quickly, and I'll just, um, I think there was one other one, if I can find it here, that was, uh, here we go. Uh <clears throat> uh what is each of your own opinions on the recent attention original dual ends have seen i understand that this topic has been covered extensively however it may be worth revisiting do you feel they're set for a more permanent price correction or is this recent attention more or less an artificial flash in the pan uh thank you for sharing each of your perspectives i really enjoy your cast uh thank you grant um so i think the most critical points and the uncertainty going forward is how much legacy do we continue to see in the future this year i think was kind of an abnormally good year for legacy compared to the past few years mainly because wizards has committed to oh master uh the 25th year of magic we're going to do a team pro tour the first time they've done this since i think 2006 so, it's the uh, first time in 12 years they've done that. And one of the aspects of the Team Pro Tour is a legacy component. And as such, they've kind of trickled that down to the Grand Prix level where you have many team constructed Grand Prix that have been happening with reasonable regularity. Um, and I think that's caused definitely an uptick in the amount of people who need dual lands. Um, you know, whether, you know, some of these people are just buying duels because they hey i have a grand prix in four months like now now's my time to buy like you know the last duels i need um there's definitely been a huge uptick in demand for dual lands compared to the past years and i think that's just kind of accelerated their price growth um i would definitely not say this is an artificial flash in the pan But it's not unreasonable that we look back at this time next year and we do say, oh, 2018 was just an exceptionally good year for Legacy and for Dual Lands. But if they don't continue to have these team events, which it looks like they might be trending in that direction, because I think after the Pro Tour in uh, Pro Tour 25 in August or whatever, there's actually relatively few Team Grand Prix scheduled compared to how many there were before the... um, the pro tour uh that being said some because it's no secret that dual lands are probably like the single uh best thing you can be buying in magic if you're looking at it from an investment perspective it's unlikely that people who are already spending as much money in duels as they are are willing to take a significant hit um when selling them back uh the buy lists have done nothing but gone up on them which in a, indicates that vendors have a very hard time keeping them in stock and if you look on the groups like the high-end um, groups on Facebook or sick deals or wherever there's just less and less dual ends available which means that people are actually holding on to their dual lands and a lot of these vendors are having a harder and harder
2: time being able to replenish their stock I also forgot what this question was was this about the dual lands uh what uh how do we feel about the recent tension?
1: original duel ends i've seen and yeah and is this a uh permanent price correction or is this uh kind of a flash in the pan
2: i uh, <clears throat> i'm opting towards more flash in the pan i sold off half of my whiteboard revised duels unlimited and earlier maybe worth holding on to I would not bank on this being permanent. Like Ed said, you have the retention, the legacy with matter Ma- masters 25 this year, 25th anniversary. And it's showing up again on the pro tour, but it's only going to get harder and harder. Uh, less people are joining legacy. I think than probably, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can say less people are joining than are leaving because a lot of people, guys still playing like probably don't leave that often. And there are people that like to get in, but Wizards has no interest in keeping Legacy alive. It's only around this year because I know people like it, but they don't make any money on Legacy. So Wizards is not invested in keeping Legacy around. They want all those old cards to go to your EDH decks, and then they want you to buy new ones for competitive. So just as a general rule of thumb, I think Legacy is uh, not worth being invested in. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't get tied up in that. And don't worry if you see a couple cards spike and feel like you missed out. There are plenty of opportunities everywhere else that are not nearly as dangerous and don't have nearly the, uh, cap opportunity costs and capital investment that dual lands do.
0: So I disagree with Travis. I think that if the dual lands were really just the flash in the pan kind of thing, we wouldn't see as much growth in the other cards. Or if it was a like an intentional buyout, for example, or like a concerted effort to increase the price of duels. But looking at the other reserve list cards that are very popular in Legacy, like Mox Diamond and Lion's Eye Diamond, like those cards are also still going up. They're seeing all-time highs. I'm, I'm sure City of Traders, I don't have the numbers in front of you, but I'm sure City of Traders is also quite expensive. I'm not sure that people are going to sell all their cards. Like, the only way that these get cheaper is if people sell them. And, yes, there's an increased amount of demand right now because of all those team events, but I don't think that if they just have slightly less team events next year that people are just going to, like, off and sell their decks. Like, there are too many cards in the reserve list now that are just that just keep going up and up, That I feel like this is just the natural progression of things. Like, Gaius Cradle is also really expensive, is seeing its all-time high. Like, a, a set of those was like $1,000 now, like, that wasn't even true like two years ago. Like I bought too many of them, and now I'm probably going to sell them. But I don't. I don't feel like this is going to be a, a price correction. Like I don't think that you know, six or nine months from now they're going to be less than they are today. I mean, like, it, just doesn't I don't, happening.
2: it doesn't have to be even six months or nine months from now. Those prices tend to move pretty slowly. But you also named like six of the best cards in the format, right? Like Lions Eye Diamond, City of Traders in Gaia's Cradle and those uh and I mean I guess City Traders doesn't Gaia's Cradle is definitely from EDH not from Legacy um so but again so like yeah, you have like Elves oh. in
0: Legacy you need four
2: yeah but I mean like how many people are playing that card in EDH versus Legacy I mean you know there's a couple hundred people in the country playing elves maybe uh versus every person with a green EDH deck wants a copy of Cradle the numbers are incomparable Um, So, I mean, like like you said, you'll see some of the cards spike, but overall, most of Legacy has gotten cheaper, right? Like, aside from a couple of the reserve list staples.
0: I think basically the the price of the deck has moved into reserve list cards. It's like, you know, Force of Will, Caracas, Sneak Attack, Show and Tell. As all those cards get reprinted, the the money just moves to a different spot. Like, Flusterstorm also got reprinted recently. Like, most of the expensive cards, Thalia was in the last Master set, you know, all aether like all of these cards that were expensive are now those those prices are just getting transferred somewhere else and the decks i don't think really have changed in price that much it's just the the really expensive cards got even more expensive and the moderately expensive cards that could get reprinted are now less expensive
2: i guess i don't have the price values of legacy decks over time to really compare at the moment so we'll just have to to wonder, I suppose, leave this for another day. Somebody can go write an article about it.
0: <laughs> you can use that for a topic when you ask us next time.
1: So, just purely as anecdotal evidence, and I'm using this because I was, I happened to be looking at uh, Masters 25 cards on TCG player. Um, like one of the things that I didn't think we would be sung as well as we did is Net- Nettle Sentinel. Um, I would argue like there's a lot of people buying Nelson who weren't buying them before. Um, like sure, Elves does see some play in modern, like Elves is a legacy card, but there are clearly a ton of people who are waiting who didn't want to be spending like what $350 to $4. I think that's roughly what Nelson was pre Masters 25. And now that you know it's, it's seen the reprint that people were waiting, a ton of people bought in. Um, which you know, it, it, like to me, that suggests that a lot of people either already bought the expensive cards, and we're waiting on like things that will be reprinted, or a lot of people are looking to buy into elves. In, in this example, like like clearly because Nelson does not see play for basically anything outside elves. Um,
0: but it's in modern elves, right? It is in modern elves. There's uh, also in popper elves, which is a little throw a little bit of a problem into that.
1: Okay, fair, fair. So that that might be a another point as well. Um but I, I think it's just very interesting kind of like the effect that like the masters sets and kind of by extension of what Jim had said, right? Um almost everything that was previously inaccessible in modern, if you think has at one point been available due to the master sets. And then it's we've seen most of them actually rebound, which suggests that there is a lot of organic demand. Because when we looked at the original iteration of Modern, you know, I, I definitely remember times when, you know, it like uh, uh, Modern staples being bought out was a weekly occurrence. Um, mainly that, that was la- largely due to the infancy of Modern. That was before cards were rarely available. But I can't think of a single Modern staple that has been expensive at one point it's lifetime that hasn't really seen a reprint at this point. And most of them just suggest that there is just quite literally that much demand. So, and I think kind of by extension, the dual lands are kind of the pinnacle of that it's, they're basically the most expensive things that do see a lot of competitive play that just haven't been reprinted yet. And reserve list cards are kind of the bigger subset of, um, bigger subset that doesn't make sense a bigger category of those cards um and i think like i i I just think there's just too much demand i think even if people decide that you know i don't want to keep my legacy deck i think the number of people who are buying into legacy it's kind of hard to tell how many people actually are but i think there's just enough people that will always want to be buying the legacy that dual end's probably will just always be trending upward in price. It's just a matter of it's trending upwards in price very quickly, like right now, or it just gets, it trends upwards a little bit more slowly over a longer period of
2: time. Weren't revised duals trending down for like three years?
1: I think they're relatively stable, I think, uh, from like 2015 through 2017. Mm. So, so someone feel free to correct me, mention in the comments, like tweet at me. Or something I I do want to say that they were relatively stable because demand was like I think demand's just kind of always there. Even even if you're not looking at like so you're looking at like EDH or whatever. Um but I don't I I don't seem to recall the duels actually getting cheaper.
2: Well, I mean it depends on what you count as cheaper. Tropical island from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, about a two-year span dropped about a hundred dollars uh let's see volcanic underground sea plateau what did plateau do i remember looking at these for an article that i wrote like a year or two ago and come like i wasn't sure what to do for myself so i looked it up and i was like damn i don't like the looks of these plateau uh kind of dropped i mean that's starting to it's smaller ball right because it's plateau but that dropped from 2011 to 2014 and then it spiked but then after the spike it dropped again from 2014 to 2016 so it seems like they, I'm getting the impression, I think these mostly, like they spike based on something and then they decline for like one to three years and then they might spike again because there's some instigating factor. So like overall, they're all more expensive today than they were in 2011, but yeah, that's a long road. It's a long road. I mean, Plateau is, when, in 2011, Plateau is a $50 card. Today, it's 80. It's been seven years.
0: Yeah, I mean there there's there's a lot of different mitigating factors. Like I'm pretty sure the Tropical Island drop was due to the fact that the Teamer Delver deck just like doesn't exist anymore. And that was the deck that played like four drops, and there just isn't a deck that plays four drops anymore. Like there are very subtle shifts in legacy metagame that can cause the duels to have slightly different prices than they used to, but I think for the most part that they're just if you if you play with them, don't worry about selling them if you want to buy them, I don't know that there's a good time to ever buy them again. That's basically the gist of that. Cause the reserve list cards are just always going to be more expensive the next time you look. I, mean, I guess you're not going to be upset if you
2: buy them, right? Like what is the worst, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? If you <clears throat> shell out for the couple of dual lands that you want, you know, you pay the five or 600 bucks to grab three of them. Uh, are you going to lose half of your investment? Probably not. Like magic would have to jump off a cliff for it to go that badly. Should you be buying them the spec on them? Probably not. They're gonna move very slowly for the most part, and you can do much better elsewhere.
1: I mean, you could argue that if your sole purpose is to play with them and then to just get rid of them, you're basically like renting a deck for free at that point. Uh which is kind of an unusual way to look at it. But like if I wanted to, you know, buy a modern deck, play it, and I decide I don't like it. I'm definitely going to be taking a non-zero hit. Whereas if I'm buying a Lacy deck, obviously the the cards that I do take a hit on are so cheap relative to the overall cost of the deck that I probably don't care, right? Like if I buy Grixis Dover right now, you know, like Deathrite Shaman is down to like $2. Like Force of the Will is still expensive, but Force Will is almost a reserve-esque level card mainly because there's just so much demand for it and it's so expensive already that your buy list number relative to how much you probably paid is going to be like relatively trivial. And like your duels, if you you know, do you put in a little effort, you move it through Facebook or wherever, you should probably be getting pretty close to what you uh, what you initially shelled out for. And that's just definitely not the case in modern and certainly not the case in standard.
0: I agree. I think that's a good point. So um do you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about? Are there any, any cards in uh, Dominaria that catch your eye? Maybe things that we could go up from people getting interested in them? I
1: think all the naysayers out there, Mox Amber is a busted card. Uh, it hasn't found a home yet. But anyone who thinks that Mox Amber is not a busted card is crazy. If you've ever played Magic for more than like two years at this point... Any mechanic that gives you mana for less mana is fundamentally busted i so that being said i don't know if i would buy in on mox amber right now i'm sure we'll kind of do go through the usual you know pre-order price is high supply hits the market price drops i probably want to start picking up mox ambers when the price is you know kind of on the decline or bottoming out which i think would happen probably roughly late may beginning of june
0: what what do you what do you when does it look attractive for, for you to buy Mox Amber? What what's the I, number? When it dresses up like a flight attendant. Uh, that is not what I was going for, but that was that was pretty good. Wow, that was also unexpected. Color me impressed. Uh, Mox Amber is like pre-ordering.
1: What I I've even looked at pre-order numbers twenty five
0: dollars. Cool stuff has them for twenty five dollars. What do you oh, pay for them? That's when buy- not,
1: That's not that bad. I mean, I'm not pre-ordering
0: for twenty five bucks, but.
1: I yeah like honestly I would that's not far off from me if I was looking at this from a player's perspective if it if it dips down a little bit which I imagine it probably will in the next few days if people aren't paying I would be comfortable paying $20 a piece if I was playing I hey I'd be happy paying $80 locking my playset get out of the way right now um in order for me to be buying a lot like if I was looking at a spec on it I'd probably wait for it to hit like Ten to twelve dollars, which is probably way lower than what I expect. But if it doesn't kind of break out right away, um, and you know people are still trying to figure out like where it fits in, I wouldn't be surprised if it hits that again, like late
0: May, early June. I think Mox Amber is the biggest trap, and I think that anyone that thinks it's an- another Mox is like very sorely mistaken. I have the complete opposite outlook on this, so. Fast mana cards are obviously much better on the turns that it multiplies your mana more. So on the first turn, if you have a Mox, it doubles your mana, right? That's significantly better than on turn 12 when it gives you 1 12th of your mana additional that turn. Because this card requires you to have another card in play that's legendary and has to be a creature or a Planeswalker, it can't be any other permanent, you're not going to tap for an extra mana on the first turn or the second turn probably or even the third turn maybe. At that point, like, how much better is this than like a rampant growth, really? I don't know. I don't think that it's going to be played very much.
1: I remember the exact stuff about Mox Opal,
0: and we know, and we all know how that turned out. To be fair, I didn't play when Mox Opal came out, so I don't know how people reacted to it then. I will say, though, that there are not a lot of zero mana legendary creatures or planeswalkers that have a color compared to zero or one mana artifacts like i'm pretty sure that like isumaru got bought out because it's like randomly a one mana legendary creature that you can play with the mocks to make mana but like it doesn't make it good like if you play two savannah lions on the first turn it doesn't really do anything you're not. You're not wrong, right?
1: Like, obviously, like, like one of the best. Like, the reason why affinity has just been such a good mainstay in modern is Darkseal City Citadel counts towards uh, Mox Opal. You know, like Knight counts towards Mox Opal. Like, these are all things that I wouldn't say they're necessarily marginal cards, but together they make Mox Opal like a very, very, very busted card. I'm not saying that Mox Emerald will necessarily be this level busted, but it's very, very, very hard given the trends of magic in the past to discount any sort of you know mana generating effect whether it be storm whether it be fandy whether it be moxen
2: etc
0: there is am not saying I'm discounting it. i just don't think it's a $25 card
2: there's a lot of room for a mox to be the worst mox and still be a lot better than $25 uh it is the hardest conditions of all of the moxes to satisfy so far that doesn't mean that it won't get there. It also doesn't mean that it will get there immediately. It could be 6 months to 2 years before we see Mox Amber take off, right? Um, but I don't know, man. Mox is they've never missed on a card with the word Mox in the name. Uh, so probably worth gambling that they did into this time either.
0: Yeah, I I I could definitely see there there is a world where it's good. I just don't think it's this one right now. There could be other cards that spoiled that make it better, and there could be cards that are in sets in the next six to 12 months that make it better. But right now, I don't don't see it being the card where I'm rushing out to pre-order, especially if you just play standard. Like I don't think that this card's going to be played in standard. I don't think that there's enough cards in the card pool for it to be good. That being said, I'll I'll pivot a little bit. I didn't think that there was going to be enough cards that people would be excited about making a historic deck where, you know, you're playing a lot of different legendary creatures and planeswalkers and whatnot, but with all the swelling of the weatherlight crew today, I'm fairly certain that that's going to be a thing. As a result, I'm really big on a couple of weird cards from older sets that are either basically close to bulk or I guess this will be my pick of the week. Let's do pick of the week. How about that? Does that sound good? We could segue into this pick of the week. So my pick this week is Hero's Podium from, I believe it's Theros. It is an artifact that coat of arms is your legendary guys and then you could pay some mana and impulse for a legendary creature. It's basically a bulk rare. Um, it'll probably be in every one of these decks if people decide to make decks with them, with the cards that care about historic things. Um, I can't imagine a world where this is a uh, losing proposition. Like, even if it's not good, it, it, these are bulk rares, so you could just sell them for bulk again. But where it is good, it could be like a four or five dollar card.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, Good Good set of questions, by the way. I, I think this is the first time where we actually like disagreed on things in the cast, as opposed to everyone just kind of agreeing with me, which seems to be the general trend of casts. I don't know why you guys agree with me. I don't know why people out there listen to me and agree with me, but people do. Oh, I just think you're really wrong about Mox Amber. That's it. I mean, okay, looking at like a very level zero, if you, you have a joy run play and then you play a Mox Amber, you produce mana and you draw a card that seems very, very busted to me, and that's not even trying very hard at all. Like, is that good? Probably not, but that's just, like, a very, very simple thing you can do that seems very, very powerful to me. I agree with you.
0: I just don't think it's good enough for how much it costs. Uh, time will tell. Anyways,
1: uh... uh in keeping with the spirit of Masterpiece Buyouts, uh... My, my pick of the weeks for the next like two months are probably just going to continue to be masterpiece by the way um that being said i actually do have a uh, spec i'd like for uh, a as well uh so my pick for masterpieces is Ronus. um it's kind of an odd one it i think it's one of those cards play in standard it's kind of almost good enough to see play in modern it's kinda narrow but I've seen like people use it like I see people try and like something's like jund mainly because it helps push like your small creatures through and just like a Tarmogoyf is enough to turn on a grim flare is enough to turn it on. Um there uh it's actually it's actually the best ammonket god uh in terms of how much play it sees on EDH rec compared to other ones. Um it is also, oddly enough, one of the metrics I use is if you sort by best-selling on uh, TCG player, you can actually see how uh, how quickly cards move, and that's general, That's kind of a a good uh, pulse on cards, as it were. Um, it's more useful for things like Masters 25, Rebels, Ixlon, because it's actually a very good metric for figuring out what cards you want to be pulling out bulk, because you can actually see what some of the better cards... Um, ones that you'd be able to move in high volume. It's one thing to pull, like, you know, an occasional quarter out, but it's much more appealing if, you know, there's, like, a bunch of quarters that you can pull out and you can kind of, you know... If you want to go down to dimes or nickels and you want to put on, like, you know, 100 nickels, eh, it might be worth your time if you have that much bulk that you want to sift through. Um, With that being said, I think masterpieces are still, like, it's no surprise they're getting bought out. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before people start moving on to invocations. Uh, never underestimate how much people will spend on stupid things that look uh, cool. Uh, an example is, I don't know if you guys... Travis's Wardrobe? <laughs> yeah, if you guys have seen this game, this is a Japanese card game. One of my friends plays. It's, big <laughs> game. it's called Weisschwartz. Uh, so this card that I bought in Japan, this is a foil Scantily version... anime check yeah don't don't ask um so this version if you guys can see i don't know if you guys can see on the camera uh for those people who are just listening to this um I so this is the camera
2: now and i feel like i should be going to jail yeah that, that's
1: kind of how i feel but money is money um there are there no. is a stamp with a signature on here of the voice actress uh <laughs> from the anime for this <laughs> so you could buy a normal version of this card for like seven dollars this version with this stamp on it is six hundred dollars and in a game where it's purely aesthetics people will actually buy this version um magic is no different people throw their money away at very very stupid things
2: fucking weebs
1: weebs they're all weebs uh
0: jealous because you don't have a weeb thing that you enjoy
1: so keep I got masterpieces, people. You guys are I tolerate
0: you, don't I, Jim?
1: You guys are doing my dirty work for
0: me. Uh, the spec I, I like I said enjoy, not tolerate.
1: <laughs> you can just feel Travis's disapproval, like just radiating uh, through his webcam right now. Uh, the one card I like from Dominaria, uh, Slimefoot the Stowaway. That's one of the crew, uh, the crew members uh, on on board the Weatherlight. It's uncommon, but I think this is the type of card where this will probably see a Deesmalt play as a Brawl deck. Um, and the, uh, it has kind of the effect that pairs well with the Sacrifice effect. Whenever a Sapling you control dies, uh, Slimefoot the Soulway deals one damage to each opponent, excuse me, and you gain one life. Um, sacrifice effects, drain effects have generally been very, very popular with commanders in the past. This is, like, I don't think it's really different. I think Brawl kind of gives a new life to these uncommon level commanders. So it wouldn't be surprised me if this is the type of card that would be, like, 50 cents to a dollar. um, uh, Given, like, you know, a a few months. If, If Brawl does pan out. And I think, like, just kind of down the line, this will just continue to be a very popular commander card overall.
2: Uh, yeah, I actually spotted him today when I was browsing the some Dominaria stuff, and um, you know I, he's obviously not going to be worth anything—at least not right away—especially as an uncommon in Dominaria. But what he enables suddenly, all those Separating cards are uh, are interesting, worth keeping an eye on. You going to go deep on Bertolost the Ancient? Maybe, maybe I'll get the voice actress to sign it. <clears throat> get all the pedophiles <laughs> excited um so i guess this week i'm going to toss out cryptolith Rite. um this is the two Green enchantment from shadows over innistrad turns all of your creatures into birds of paradise it's really cool in edh actually and um awesome in uh like my cdc deck especially when you get mesmeric orb going oh. Some spicy stuff, but uh, non foils are up to keep in mind this is a rare from Shadows of Interstrad, so fairly new. Non foil is up to like 250, almost three bucks, but supplies a little deep there. But foil copies, there are not a lot of foil copies of cryptolith rights left around. You can snag them at four to five bucks probably a real easy double up to 10 possibly even 15 and it's new enough that you're good for probably at least a year or two on a reprint Um, it's also called cryptolith rights which means they're not just tossed into anywhere they can't put it back in standard because it's themed so they can only put it in non-standard product um, which cuts down the number of foil venues so
0: foil cryptolith rights i like you we're bringing back core sets, so they could just put that in there again, where it doesn't have true, to make any sense. True, yeah,
2: I keep forgetting they're putting core sets back in.
0: I know a lot of people are, and it's unfortunate, but hopefully we'll get some sweet reprints. All right, so I think that'll do for the cast this week. Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. I'm always joined by my beloved co-hosts. Would you like to tell everyone where they can find you? I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter with Cronin's Game
1: Store. You guys will see me this weekend in GP Seattle. I will be on site all day Thursday and Friday. My parents are actually driving up from Portland on Friday and Saturday, so I'll probably spend most of the day with them. But I will be on site plenty Unfortunately, I'll probably be there with Jeremy as well, so if if you guys want to interact with us in some form or another, we will be happy to uh, probably hang out with people on Sunday, because I don't believe Jeremy gets in until late. But if you follow us on Twitter, stay tuned, because we will definitely update people on our whereabouts then.
0: And if you do see Jeremy, make sure to give him a ton of shit for not being on the cast today.
2: I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at wizardbumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write the Watchtower series over at MTG Price. I also do the MTG Fast Finance podcast available through the same website. Uh, so I'm out there.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to the cast this guy, oh, this week. Uh, hopefully next week we'll have more stuff to talk about, but not a lot of things happened. Um, I'm assuming that we're going to have the rest of the Dominaria spoilers, so we'll have a lot more to talk about there. And uh, as always, you can find us on Gathering Magic. Don't forget to leave your question.